Good afternoon, and welcome to Susan Harmon Experience, where I am COVID-19. Um, I don't know. Hard to find humor, but it is there occasionally. Uh, my friend Pina sent a wonderful little YouTube uh, uh, on the way Italian mayors were reacting. And honestly, folks, if you want that, email me and I'll send I'll send forward it to you on YouTube because it was it was funny, but it wasn't. I mean, it, it's not a funny situation. But their their reaction was so Italian. You know, it was great. So Eric, my man, we have quite a show planned for today. We do uh, indeed. Absolutely. You've got uh, quite a few guests, so lots I know. to jump right into. We we have just a ton of things going on. On and I wanted to say something before we get started, just in terms of the amazing things that people are doing. And I, I think that you you see people's true colors when there is any kind of a crisis. Don't you agree? Of course. Yeah. On who who they are and how they interact with each other. Our station has been just great, and I do want to do a little shout out for Eric Crema. Um, it's going to embarrass him, I know, but he called me the other day just to see how I was doing. I mean. He doesn't have to do that, but he was so thoughtful. And the best part of the call was, he said, I called to cheer you up, and you ended up cheering me up. Yes. That's (laughs) nice when it works that way. Isn't it nice? You know, so that I just wanted to bring up. I have another friend, uh, Tanya Swanson, here in in Arizona, and she doesn't know I'm doing this. A little shout-out for her husband. He's a partner in a business that the partners took a pay cut so they could keep their employees on. I mean, it's that kind of thing we're seeing. Do you know what I mean? We're seeing people like, this is a hard time for, for a lot of us. Uh, And they're responding to it by, um, you know, uh, being kind to one another. And I think that that is like really, really super important for us to, um, you know, to to behave that way with one another instead of instead of just, uh, you know, uh, looking at, oh, this is terrible. And I mean, I did have a guy the other day say, I just want to be able to get the economy back on. I'm like, you know what? Economies come and economies go, and it's going to be okay. You know, you just need to quit worrying about the way things are and think of how they could be. Look at how clear the skies have been. Um, I mean, we've got uh, Alana on and Walter Pullen. Uh, I just wanted to say hi to you guys. And hi. Hey. Two of my very dearest and closest friends, seriously, I'm not making this up, um, but they um, they know um, that there are a lot of positives in this. Wouldn't you guys agree? Yeah, there's opportunity to make needed changes in ourselves and in the world in this situation. That's, uh, yeah, hi, Walter, Walter Pullen, uh, and... Um, Walter, I initially ha- asked him to be on because, as as you guys know, Cheryl Hopkins is our resident astrologer, and uh, Cheryl has gone through kind of a tough time. But one of one part part of that turned out really well. Uh, her um, 
ex-brother-in-law about a week or so ago walked into a New York hospital uh, with COVID-19 and two days later he had passed. Uh, So, you know, when people say, I think we looked at, Walter, didn't you and I look at the statistics out of 8 billion people on the planet? We're talking about probably 180 million that will die from this COVID-19, you know, projected. Um, Yeah, yeah, given like a a like a roughly two percent or thereabouts death rate, right? So, uh, which is statistically low, but if it's your brother-in-law or your mother, you know, or your uncle, who cares what the stats are, right? (laughs) So, you know, there's those two layers and two levels, and we have some really simple kinds of solutions to dealing with a lot of it. Uh, I do think we have to point out some of the things that are are at issue. Uh, You know, we have, A, we have no national health system. Uh, We have hospitals that are for-profit, so they they don't have empty beds, so there's no capacity when you have a much-needed, you know, number of beds and you don't have them. We've had a slow to respond uh, from our national leaders and from our state leaders for the most part. a very slow response because I think people just were like, well, that's in China. It's, it's not here. This, when did I, was it in November when it hit in China? Uh, yes. Walter? Yeah. And so we're talking November, December, we weren't even giving it any notice really until in January, but at the very beginning. And then it was only February. We paid a little bit more attention and it wasn't until March this month that we that we started getting it. We started waking up. Does that sound about right? That's correct. Yeah, that's like four months of dragging our feet and doing nothing. Right. And uh, because we lack, let's just be honest, we lack leadership. Uh, yeah. You know, and um, <laughs> I, that is a that's a that's a real issue for all of us. But those of us who research. That would be me, uh, you know, <laughs> and that would be Alana. So I also want to recognize Alana, darling. Yeah. Uh, so you were on the phone. I was actually, I actually asked her first to ask her husband. Um, <laughs> you know, um, my resident astrologer cannot do her report. This. Oh, the other piece of. I'm sorry, I babble. Unlike me, I was babbling. <laughs> it's so different. Uh, Cheryl tells me that, uh, you know, her husband had flown to Sweden March the 3rd, and he's very sick. He couldn't get an appointment to get in, to get tested or any of this. He flew back to the United States. She got into the doctors. It turns out it was just a really bad cold. Oh, thank goodness. Which is yay, you know. But I, I, um, it's rough when it's someone you love and you don't know. And that's why testing, hello, is so important. Uh, running tests is the number one thing that isn't happening and should have been happening for at least a month. Um, I am wondering, too, like on some of the spikes, like in Italy, is it because they're, they're reporting more that they show more cases? Do you think that that's a possibility? Because didn't New Jersey do a whole bunch of testing and their numbers spiked? Yeah, that's definitely happening um, right now in the U.S. particularly. 
um, as tests start to happen more and more, um, it, it, the numbers go up, obviously, the more you test. Yeah. Right. There was a, I can't forget the guy's title. He's in charge of something in the administration, and I blanked out on his name, too, but he was being interviewed on CNN, and he couldn't answer the question. If we need a million ventilators, are we going to have them? And he's going off on how the Chinese did this to us mm -hmm. and, you know, and the Obama administration did this. And that. She said, can you just answer the question? <laughs> you know, can we meet our needs? You know, well, you know, it's not our fault. You know, like, uh, who cares about blame? Honestly, nobody. I don't care. We need what action. are we going to do now? Yeah. Action. You know, it's not my fault. That's what a four-year-old says. Yeah. You know, Mommy, I didn't do it. Jerry did. You know. So, you know. Anyway, uh, and honest to gosh, a lot of this is just plain racism. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just plain racism. I mean, when you have when you say things like the kung flu, and. Uh, you know, the Chinese uh, virus and all. Um, no, absolutely not. This is now, a world a world event. It involves the world. Exactly. And one member of that world event needs to correct something she said last week. That would be me. Um, I've had this suspicion that it was uh, made in a laboratory. And Alana was very derisive of my suspicion. <laughs> were you not? I believe I was. <laughs> yes, you were. And she said, don't even say that to Walter because he'll laugh at you. <laughs> Is that correct, Walter? <laughs> I don't think I should laugh at things. I think all theories deserve proper analysis and investigation to determine how true or not they are. Absolutely. And to that point... My friend Alana sent me a, let's see, I, I didn't print it out because it's on my phone and I don't know how to do that. Uh, so uh, she sent me, um, uh, let's see, where is it? I've got it. I've got it here. A study that was done by, um, what would you, what, these are independent scientists. Yeah, of one of them, the major one was from Scripps University. Right, and there, these are none of these are fly-by-nighters. None of them had any agenda, but they had heard the things. In fact, one of the guys, I think the guy writing the uh, article, um, and anybody who wants this, just get hold of me, and I will send it to you. Uh, that uh, he suspected it was it was made in a laboratory, and he very quickly came to a different conclusion because of the qualities of the virus, the things that were in it, what you would need if you were making a virus, how, what you would have to do and how you would have to do it. And so because facts were presented to me, I'm like, okay, I get it. It came from nature. And uh, I, I would have clung to my other view had I not been presented with facts. And so when you find that your position is incorrect, the adult person says, I said something that wasn't correct. I, I let go of that and I take this new information that is factually based and accept the, those results. 
did I say that correctly or did I yeah. leave something out? Bravo. Yeah, so any of us who felt that it was uh, laboratory made, we were wrong. Uh, and the facts prove it. You know, it's just like, to me right now, the uh, the whole idea of uh, climate change, the deniers of climate change, it's in front of you. I'm not going to use the language I used yesterday, but uh, <laughs> because we're on the air and the FCC would not like it. But uh, it's visible now. Things you could not see from space. There's blue skies you in, in cities where there's so much you're so used to the noise you don't even notice it but now people are hearing birds singing and the skies are clearing just in a matter of a few weeks you know um, maybe what two months at the most in china when did the start the sky started clearing now if we can make that kind of a change see i see everything as a blessing i mean i've talked before about being stung by a scorpion and deciding that there's something in scorpion venom i needed or it would have happened coronavirus there's something in the coronavirus that we need it wouldn't have happened that wouldn't make the changes that we need to make if it didn't happen so instead of coming at this from fear let's come at it what is the benefit to us how do we do it well one benefit is learn one one thing learning how to work with each other by staying away from each other. Do you know what I mean? There's this dichotomy that is very powerful and very uh, very honest. We can spend all of our time, you know, looking at what caused it. And, and we know, and those things, there's, it's not wrong to do that. It's not wrong. But it's a waste of time to blame even the lack of leadership in our country for why it slowed down. But however, moving forward, there must be leadership. And if the people themselves have to stand up and become the leaders, then that's what we need to do. What a concept, huh? A government of, for, and by the people? Just saying. So, um, uh, Eric, how are we doing? You're doing fine. Do you want to maybe introduce all our guests that would be great. <laughs> we, we've got quite a few people on today. Just want to make sure everybody knows who we're talking to. All right. Walter Pullen, say something. Hello and blessings to everyone. I am honored to be on your show again. I am honored to have you. And Alana. Hi, um, I'm Alana and I'm a um, mental health worker as well as a human being mostly. Uh, more than that, and it's great to be here. It is, and we have one more guest. Um, I am John Verant. 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 <laughs> Thank you, John. Uh, welcome. Uh, John has not been on the show previously, and I contacted him because of how he has, he's a good dot connector. He connects the dots. And he connected the dots on this uh, and uh, other factors. We, he and I have talked about the whole mortgage crisis, how that was handled or not handled, as the case may be. Uh, and I think that uh, his take on, on some of this is very interesting. Uh, he's an attorney. Um, he is in Minnesota. And uh, so we are. We have we have people in uh, Washington, Arizona, and Minnesota for this call. This is good. 
so John, tell people just a tiny little bit about yourself and why you're why you're concerned and what your feelings are about the COVID nineteen crisis. Well, I'm an attorney, but I'm primarily retired right now and trying to work full time as a writer. My concerns about this is that I think uh, the COVID virus indicates the kind of challenge we're going to be facing, really, uh, as, as the human race in the future. It is an example of the global challenges that are facing us. A bigger one is obviously climate change. But CV-19 reveals that how people get health care in refugee camps in Syria directly affects the health of people in Germany or yes. Bolivia. We're yes, all in this yes. together. Mm-hmm. Um, this medical crisis reveals also that our public health care system is really absent. I personally would agree with you that Donald Trump handled this matter uh, in a way that was inept and incompetent and ill-informed. But if we had had an extremely competent president, we would have we had still have the it. same situation. Right. Because we don't have the infrastructure. We don't have the infrastructure. We, if we had had all kinds of tests manufactured for us and ready to go, we don't have clinics, uh, an army of people, a management structure with which to carry out those tests. Right. And it is right. a serious, serious lack in our society. Correct. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and I, that's one of the things I definitely want to talk about. But I also want to give people some information that may be very useful for them. If you email me, I can send you this whole study that was done in China. Um, it's about 25 pages long, so I just hit across the top of it. And then I want to—I really want to talk about how the for-profit medicine has failed us because John you're you're very uh, um, aware of that and and South Korea and I just quickly want to say South Korea asked uh, I said this to a gentleman uh, the other day South Korea asked Trump twice could they please have him call the G20 uh, together so they could do a teleconference and they could say what they did that worked that worked well and he said he would take it under advisement now infrastructure no you don't dig your feet in if you can't take credit for something. And as far as I could see, he should take credit for, hey, South Korea has done a great job here. Let's listen to what they have to say and see if that's will help us. And just what you said, John, we have to come together as a world, world people, not as this tribe or that tribe. Well, if you just put on the TV and you see doctors and nurses struggling with such fundamental pieces of technology as a ventilator or having and a mask. protective masks or yeah. gowns. This is the sort of thing you'd associate with Mogadishu. It's not the sort of thing you think of in New York City. When you see no. that in Mogadishu, that's heartbreaking. When you see it in New York City, that's something you should be ashamed of. And I, the caliber of our healthcare system right now, the weakness in it, in that it is a for-profit system, is that um, capitalism does a lot of things really, really well. Healthcare is not one of them. When you have a healthcare system that is based upon for-profit, every hospital bed that is not occupied is an unnecessary expense. You seek to avoid that. Absolutely. Uh, We have the most expensive healthcare 
on the planet with the le- the, mo- the the fewer positive re- responses. When I hear people, well, I don't want the government telling me. I'm like, oh, please, an insurance clerk is telling you what you can or can't do. So does that make it any better? I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's it's a nonsense thing. It It has been propagated by the people that have the money. Um, and and I still see that. We're still washing through. You know, I'm going to have Walter talk a little bit more about the astrology uh, of it because Uranus has six more years, you know, to kick us, you know, down the down the road because that's the planet of revolution. And we are we're doing that. I mean, this is this is a huge break for us in honest, in all honesty. And I am not diminishing my concern about the loss of life. I am just simply saying we have an opportunity here to change how we do things. And one of the things I want to say quickly before um, I have Walter come in with some astrology is there was a study done. uh, Let's see, where where are they in China? I forgot. I have the whole thing here, but uh, the name of the study is Clinical Characteristics of COVID-19 Patients with Digestive cross-sectional, multi-center study. Now, they say in the study that there needs to be further work done because their sample was small. However, I wanted to get this information out that if you have digestive symptoms, that to me is like really important because they're only telling you the respiratory symptoms. Digestive systems show up about a week before respiratory symptoms do. And those are diarrhea, vomiting, abdominal pain. Uh, And if you, now they also said uh, lack of appetite, but lack of appetite uh, they excluded from the analysis because it was, it was less specific than, uh, than, you know, things for the gastrointestinal tract. So I think they had started out with about 200 people and whittled it down to just a little over 100. But it, anyway, their conclusion was, was I'm going to just read this. We find that digestive symptoms are common in patients with COVID-19. Moreover, these patients have a longer time from onset to admission. Evidence of longer coagulation and higher liver, liver enzyme levels. Clinicians should recognize the digestive symptoms such as diarrhea are commonly among the presenting features of COVID-19 and that the index of suspicion may need to be raised earlier in at-risk patients presenting with digestive symptoms. However, large sample studies are needed to confirm these findings. Well, you know, in my opinion, even if it's a small study and it's showing this and you have those symptoms, and your doctor says, well, I'm not going to look at you, test you for this unless you have respiratory symptoms. Throw this study in that doctor's face and say, test me. Test me now. So I'm just saying I think that, that it's important for us if, we could, if, if there is some sign or symptom that shows up sooner than the respiratory symptoms. And some of these people never had respiratory symptoms. That had COVID nineteen. So, what do you guys think? Good advice. You don't care. Yes, <laughs> I don't know anything about epidemiology. <laughs> but you do know. I, I have heard that that if you do catch it early, you're much more likely to recover. 
Yes. And some of those early symptoms, and I don't know what they are because I'm not a doctor, um, right. should be taken into consideration. And that's why I'm saying some doctors aren't even looking at patients that present yeah. with the digestive symptoms. And this is why I'm saying this is important that you have that information. Um, that's why we're doing this here today. So we are going to uh, take a break here um, a little earlier than usual just because I want to uh, have Walter do a little more on the astrology. And I want John to be able to get a word in sideways because I just am not apparently going to shut up. Uh, so. You guys just have to jump in sometimes. Trust me. Right, Eric? Yep. So, yes? Did I lose you? No, I'm still here, Susan. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> I think we're all still here. Yes. Oh, okay. I was just saying, Eric, sometimes you just have to jump in because I don't shut up. <laughs> and, I, and I said, yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. He agreed because uh, he's experienced. Anyway, we are going to take a short break. You are listening to Susan Harmon Experience and Alternative Talk Radio, KKNW. Stay tuned for more interesting repartee. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Stefan Schwartz, author of The Eight Laws of Change, for his insights on changes affecting us today as a result of COVID-19. On Saturday, Carol Ann Carey, psychic medium, makes her debut on Manson Mitchell, and she will be taking your calls in the second half hour. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Susan Harmon is offering her skills as an intuitive counselor, medium, and energy healer via phone or Skype with her audience at a reduced rate of $40 for the first half hour. Susan listens to your guidance and gives what is needed for you in the present moment. Email susan at susanharmon.com and put I love the Susan Harmon hour in the subject line. This is a limited time offer, so set up your appointment by emailing susan at susanharmon.com today. Going against the grain has never been this much fun. Alternative Talk 1150. Are you ready to create relationships that actually work for you? Our Vast Institute Healthy Relationship Programs are designed for anyone ready to take relationships with self and others to the next level of confidence, trust, and intimacy. Enroll now for our April 5th program, Building the Healthiest of Relationships. If you're ready for a relationship where each person is free to learn, grow, and thrive, call us at 206-935-7872 or visit our website at vastinstitute.com to register. Working hard to put a smile on your face. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Susan Harmon Experience. So, Walter, the astrological aspects are very intense here. They are indeed. And yes, so as we know, we are spiritually and physically interconnected in which the outer reflects the inner. So when intense things are happening in the skies, that's reflective of intense things happening here on Earth and vice versa. So one of the biggest intense things going on now is a quintuple conjunction. We have a bunch of outer planets all together in late Capricorn and, and starting to move into Aquarius. And we have Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto, and also the asteroid Pallas Athena all in, in, in Capricorn. And although actually they're starting to move into Aquarius, Saturn just went into Aquarius just last week. 
And so, yes, we have all of these. Um, we have the aggressive and active energies of Mars, the expansive and unifying energies of Jupiter, structured and organized Saturn, and transformative Pluto. They're all together, all influencing each other in a big, in a big massive concentration of energy. And we can definitely feel it. And so what's really happening is that they are, are all starting to trans move from, from Capricorn, you know, sign of structure and solitude, which you can kind of really feel, the, as, and moving into Aquarius, which has more of the, the humanitarian and revolution and, and invention going on. And so really what is happening is, is that this is an, is an opportunity to make some needed changes in ourselves and the world, but it remains to be seen whether we will heed this needed wake-up call. Because, you know, the Capricorn can have has that structure, but it also can really be that rigid traditions that perhaps we have a bit too much that we're holding on to. And Aquarius is the opportunity to really bring in that invention and that revolution. And But sometimes if we're not careful, Aquarius can be overly individual or quirky or isolated. So we need to be aware of the energies coming and how we can most make use of them. I, I totally agree. Uh, you either are get you, you know, energies either do you or you do them. So, you know what I mean? You either you either ride the wave or you get submerged. So my thing is, if you if you're clear and you're concise and you and you're 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 transparent and you're open to new ideas, you're going to ride the wave. Does that make sense? If, yes, it if does. You're you're, if you're resistant, you're going to drown. If you say, "Well, this way we've always done it," well, it doesn't mean it's the the way you always have to do it. <laughs> Yeah, and we are getting stirred up a little bit because, as you mentioned, Uranus and Taurus for the next several years, where we're getting getting us a needed kick in the pants, and it's disrupting our our structures and comfort zones. And so that's an opportunity to release some things that need releasing. And then I'd also add we have Neptune in Pisces, which is you know Neptune rules Pisces, so that's a really strong placement. And we've got idealism um, for for the way things should be, but it can also be if we're not careful, escapism. Or head in the sand so it's again up to us and it will be up totally. to us for the you know like really this year as the as the capricorn planets all transition together into aquarius it's up to us whether um you know how we will how we will deal with those things i totally agree my daughter rachel sent me um, um a youtube video that was made last july june or july uh, by a Tibetan astrologer. I think I sent that to you, Alana, didn't I? Uh, where he was making these predictions of things happening in November, December, uh, peaking yeah, in March yeah, and a, April. Someone from India. Perhaps. India, right, yeah. India, yeah. Thank you. I'm one of those countries. <laughs> so arrogant, right? So so, so typically American. <laughs> one of them places over there. I don't know which one, but one of them. Anyway, India, so. Yeah, but it was really interesting that this was made last summer, and it is fitting exactly what's happening and the directions that he was talking about as well. Now, he was off on some things, but you don't know how how a prediction will, will pan out, how it will happen, you know. So uh, anybody that's interested, get hold of me, and I will send you that, uh, that video. I, I think I can... I think I can go online and do it instead. I mean, on on my laptop and do it instead of just from my phone. So we we'll, we will see what we can see. Okay. 
But I yeah. found that to be highly informative. And, you know, and what you just said, Walter, because, you know, Pluto is is punching into Saturn right now, breaking up those old systems. Yes. And, of course, we want it to do that and not have the reverse and have a repression of the needed energies of of, – because, you know, Saturn can be kind of structured and can do the reverse. Saturn can disciplinify or suppress Pluto or Pluto can awaken Saturn. And so so there's some conjunctions and there can be some friction between the respective energies. I totally agree. John, uh, you're probably not into astrology. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but I would agree with your uh, uh, other speakers that we're definitely in a time of crisis and change, and there's all kinds of real possibilities that are being forced upon us in a hurry. See, and and this is why I find it fascinating, because no matter what, how you approach an issue, there are common denominators between various approaches, correct? Absolutely. And so you and I, I know, because I, I call what I call myself when I'm around for city council, what I call myself was a practical visionary. It's all well and good to have these ideas, but if you don't put them into play, if you say, well, you know, we can never be at peace. And I've never believed that. What do you mean? Why can't we be at peace? What, where, did, where is it written that we can never be at peace? I just not no, we can't. Um, so when you see that big, uh, and, and honestly, I, I, I'm just going to interrupt myself here for a minute. Um, the founding fathers never trusted corporations. Just know that. They did not trust corporations. Uh and there's a good reason, because they've never been a good thing for people. And the fact that the big corporations, the pharmaceutical companies, the health industry, these industries have control of everything, we're, we're, we're blatantly seeing how that's harming us, right? Well, there is an economic problem that's been troubling America for a long time that very few people even recognize. Um, people thought that the economy was going along swimmingly until uh, CV-19 hit us, but that is not true. It hasn't been, no. percent of Americans for the past 10 years haven't had over $400, $500 in cash reserves. One slip That's or fall, one root canal, and they're unable to make rent. Right. Real wages for working class people haven't increased when measured in constant dollars since 1970 in America. All of but the costs fantastic. have. What's that? But costs, the cost of living. No, a, a cost of living relative to what our wages were has remained just about flat. But our productivity has increased by a factor of like six in those years. And all of that fantastic wealth has gone to the very people on the top. Now, in 2008, when we had an economic collapse brought about in part because of the financial community invested in in a variety of instruments that were fraudulent from the get-go, we bailed them out. All yep. of that money, trillions upon trillions of dollars in direct cash payments through TARP and through uh, uh, quantitative easement through the Fed, went to major financial institutions, to banks, to huge corporations. Right now, I think it's going to happen again. If We've talked about bill, this on the show before, yep. If you look at the bill that's being considered right yes. now, 
we're talking about a one-time cash payment of $1,200. Well, mm-hmm. if you're a working man or woman, $1,200 is a month's rent in Minneapolis. Yeah. I mean, it's a how far is that going to go? Hard. How far is twelve hundred dollars going to go? Even in Oklahoma, it's not going to go very, very far. No. Now there will be an improvement in unemployment benefits, but even with those improvements and lengthening the period of time during which you can get unemployment, America's unemployment laws are relatively parsimonious compared to other industrialized democracies. We Give me an example for our people. Oh, for example, we have very very limited time. In most countries, if you're unemployed, you can get unemployment benefits. Period. It does. You don't. It doesn't run. There's no limit. See, and that's another one of the false pictures that's pointed out. Well, you know, the economy is doing great because we have low unemployment. We have low unemployment because people can't get it. Well, there's a flip side to that. We have enormous amount of money in this country, but it was collected at the very top. For example, uh, Apple had in cash reserves last year something like $240 billion. That's more than the gross domestic product of three-quarters of the world's nations. Okay, These companies are not using that money to build new factories or to create new products or hire new people because the bulk of Americans are on the economic decline and can't afford to buy anything. That's right. And... And this younger generation is saddled with education debt on top of it. Absolutely. I think this is one in which a top-down, trickle-down stimulus package is not only going to be unfair, it's simply not going to work. We're facing an economic challenge much, much greater than what took place in 2008. Uh, Paul Krugman described our economy right now as not being in a recession, but being uh, in kind of a medically induced coma. (laughs) People are forced to be out of work, and they're going to be hurting. And when everybody cuts back, the whole economy collapses. That's the first secret of macroeconomics. If my spending is your income, your spending is my income. Yeah, do you think people, like if I'm I'm trying to sell crystals, right? Do you think people want to buy my crystals if they can't buy food and pay rent? Hello? Yes. It's not going to happen. And when people get hungry, and right now, it could very easily be in a state in which people are lacking for basic things like food, shelter, and uh, fundamental necessities in just a few months. Well, then yeah. they start threatening the, the loss of civil society. The, um, to tell people to stay home, it doesn't help the homeless. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's all, that's the same place. Well, that doesn't help the homeless, one. Two, um, the prison populations. Uh, I have somebody very dear to me who is in a prison in Shelton, Washington, uh, and uh, is getting out very soon, uh, drug issue, uh, which is a whole other story. But people had come into that prison from King County with COVID-19. They started to isolate them and obviously didn't isolate them quite soon enough. Where do you go when you're in a prison? 
this person's job was to clean rooms for 45 cents a day. And he said, I'm not going to go in and clean a room when I don't know who was in there. Do you know me and what their conditions were? You know, it's not worth 45 cents a day to me, you know, to get this disease. Um, so we have, and that's just one, one locale. We have more prisons than anybody else on the planet. So that's a lot of people. Uh, we have ice holding people that uh, have no choice and all crowded together. You get one person in there with COVID-19. Uh, I would dare say everybody gets it, wouldn't you? Well, if you are lucky enough to have health insurance in this country, it's quite probable that with the deductible and co-pays, uh, a major illness will give you a lot of trouble. The largest single reason that people go through personal bankruptcies in this country is medical debt. Yep. So uh, if a large percentage of us are hospitalized, need real care for this disease, not only will our insurance be inadequate, the insurance companies themselves will go belly up. It's That's just a, not a health Actually, that, that doesn't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sir, I know that sounds a terrible thing to say, but maybe we could actually get Medicare for all that way. I mean, there, there's, there's many, many paths to the top of the mountain, am I correct? What do you I think? Agree. Oh. And unfortunately, there's nothing in this bill that directly addresses building a public health care system. Absolutely not. Uh, because the mines don't go laws. there. The mines go to lining my pockets. Or reforming uh, patent laws and intellectual protection law so that you don't have people exploiting the fact that they have a, a, a medication that everyone needs just to survive. And so they're charging uh, extortionistic prices on it. John, it was you that was telling me about the guys that, that made the copies from the machine that they sold for dollars. Can you tell us that story? In Italy, uh, they don't have sufficient ventilators to go around. One Unlike of the critical us. components <laughs> in the ventilator needs to be replaced. Well, the manufacturer was either unable or unwilling to manufacture sufficient quantities of these parts, which incidentally they sell for $11,000 a unit, not the ventilator, that replacement part. So not having any of the specifications from the factory, two Italians who are somewhat ingenious managed to duplicate it, uh, reverse engineer the, the specifications, and printed it out on a 3D printer. These they offered to hospitals at a dollar apiece, which was their actual manufacturing cost. Now, I'm, I know you're thinking that obviously when a need like that is being met in such a crisis situation, the company praised these two men, uh, thanked them for helping to resolve this crisis, and offered them high-paying jobs within the firm for their ingenuity. But that's not actually what happened. Instead, they <laughs> called them up and they threatened them with a lawsuit and to basically crush them with legal bills for patent violation. This it's is the sort amazing. of thing that we can anticipate across the board in this country. When you have that you, you kill medicine. people, you kill people for greed. You kill them. You actually are killing people for greed. When your business model is I will withhold something that you can only get from me unless you pay whatever price I demand or you will die. 
that's not one that, you know, promotes humanity. No. <laughs> what do you think, Alana? Um, that what I would agree with a thousand percent. It's very disturbing. It's very, very disturbing. And it's, it's one of the reasons why we need to come together and change things. You know, as a mental health practitioner, you also, I think, um, can foresee the mental health issues that people will be facing uh, with not just the illness, but the economic impacts unless they shift how they think. Well, I mean, can you kind of go into that a little? Well, there's um, lots of consequences to um, isolation and not being able to work. Um, it's a very effective way, of, according to how other countries have, have faced it, that isolation works and that it does slow the virus down. Um, but yeah, the economic impact, the stress, the unknown, we're all grieving together a new way of living. We have to figure out how to get through it together as a community. And, and that we need everyone from the top all the way down to be paying attention on how we can support each other. Um, and I think that's what we're at, at a world-changing event like this. We have to, you know, adjust our thinking and prioritize our humanity and how to support each other. I think an important point is that I expect corporations to look out for profit. I expect them to not concern themselves with the public good, but to concern themselves with their own advancement. The reason we have government is because it's supposed to look out for the common good. It's supposed to regulate corporations and provide for basic functions. And when you take something as important as health care or your ability to deal with a plague and turn it over to private for-profit companies, you're committing suicide. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I, 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 I just want to ask all three of you here. Um, you don't think that on Easter the churches are going to be filled with happy singing people and the rest of us are going to be strolling down the streets, linking arms and singing Kumbaya? I mean, <laughs> that's not reality. Yeah. And if well, it is, I'd be very disturbed. My next door neighbor is a deacon in the church and was describing to me that they've set up drive through confessionals. <laughs> there you go. And I thought that that was a really imaginative way of, of helping people. Exactly. If the sacrament is meaningful to you, good. Uh, I don't know if they're holding masses any longer. Uh, well, I know a idea. church near me where we, we we had meetings. They shut down the whole church. They're just not. They're not holding church. They're not. You know, you don't. It's nice to congregate and get together and do things, but you don't need that to be a spiritual person. Yeah, it's nice that we can collect together online or on the airwaves like we're doing here. We're all in different locations, but we are, are in a sense having a, a gathering. So there, we can, you can find solutions. You can find alternate ways of doing things. That's correct. Or as you said earlier, yes, there are many ways to the mountaintop. Um, although I would say that some ways up the mountain are easier than others. Like there can be a gentle trail or you can go up, the, up, up a vertical cliff that's prone to avalanches. And of course, us humans, we tend to sometimes want to take the hard way and then we pay the price for it. Well, I'm more of the strolling up the 
slow gray path, you know, picking flowers along the way, you know, and singing Kumbaya. I don't know. <laughs> I'd prefer to take the stream instead of the Whitewater River. Exactly. Well, Churchill said once that uh, Americans can always be counted upon to do the right thing after they've tried everything else. <laughs> you know, I I come from a family that no matter what the situation, we we definitely try to deal with it with humor. And and I you know I understand the seriousness of this, but I think that one of the best things we can do is still just laugh about some things, enjoy each other, look at the, you know, seriously, call people on their stupidity. I'm just not going to sit back and let you babble things that, you know, just like I confess today, listen, I had this wrong. This was not created in a laboratory. This study, you present me with facts, and I'm like, okay, I'm your girl. I got it. I, I, I have been shown I was incorrect. But I was shown that by hearing facts, not conjecture. And I think that that's, when we say we have differences and we need to respect other people's opinions, uh, opinions and facts aren't the same thing. Correct? Indeed. All right. That's, so uh, we, we are coming close to the end. We've got uh, about five more minutes maximum, and I'd like everybody like to take a minute to say something you really want to get out there before we go off the air. Go ahead, Alana, start with you because you're very succinct. Uh, just in the, next, <laughs> in the next week, I'd say, um, particularly in the coming weeks, is uh, get – Get outside, and if you can't get outside, if it's not safe, do exercises at home. Um, give yourself permission to feel sad or happy or whatever feelings you're having. Reach out for support, and if you need help, ask for it. There is help out there, and take good care of yourselves. That's good advice. Walter? Yeah, and in astrology, one of the planets in the 5X quintuple conjunction is Pallas Athena, the warrior woman of wisdom. And so she can give us the energy that we can to be wise, but to also be strong as we move forward in this. And also Chiron and Aries, which is a way to, brings the healing energy because Chiron has that, is that healing and, and, and Aries that can help heal the aggressive tendencies that we want to, you know, keep things going smoothly. And so those, we can bring in those tools from within which are reflected in the universe around us to move forward through this together. I agree. And John, you're the very practical person, pragmatic and so forth. Go, babe. Not all urgencies are contrived. Correct. But every time you run into a con man, he's going to contrive an urgency and he's going to exploit an urgency. The people who are telling me we have to take immense action right now, we have to spend trillions of dollars, we mark my words, they're going to rob you blind. Study these bills carefully, write your legislators, and demand that the money go to the bottom, to the top, instead of from the top down. Correct. With a consumer society, which we have, and the consumers aren't allowed to consume, it will collapse. I'm putting it very simply. 
The huge banks do not need more money. No, they don't. They already and 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 we were we're going to have another show, folks, and talk about the connection. I've talked about it before, but homelessness uh, is a direct result of the mortgage uh, crisis and the way it was handled by giving the banks the money, and the fact that lawyers who are defending homeowners uh, are being disbarred and uh, attacked. We have a corrupt judicial system as well, and that was part of turning the map red. Uh, that you take over the courts as well. So there's a lot going on. And and honestly, I really do believe that the spirit of our country is a good one and that the greed that you see and the corruption that you see is not, is not who we truly are as a people. And the way that, that a con artist and, uh, you know, with all of this controls things is to make you afraid of everything. I say, let go of your fear, but pay attention, just like Alana said. You know, so, social distancing, those are things. I mean, I went into Trader Joe's. We waited till the next, the person in front, six feet, they went in. And then the next person went in. Everybody was courteous, thoughtful, kind mm-hmm. to each other. The We can isolate and even go to the grocery store in an isolated kind of way and, and behave differently. Uh, and be mindful. I mean, mindfulness is an exercise. And it's absolutely. a very, very good one. But at the same time, we have a social contract. And that social contract says we, the people, have the responsibility to make sure that those who represent us actually represent us and not their donors. This is why AOC is so popular because she speaks the truth and people are thirsty and hungry for the truth. And on that note, my friends, I am going to say adieu for this week. Uh, this is a big subject. It is not going to be covered in one hour show. And there is something you can do all alone in your house. Turn on the music and dance. <laughs> 